I was um, moving some stuff around. I think I was putting the wings from one of my big planes up on some hooks. Am I going to like the end of the story? No. You know. <sighs> Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello everybody, welcome back to the RC Roundtable, and this is episode 136 of our series of podcasts regarding all things model airplanes. And uh, as usual, or not, uh, or not, because <laughs> the last episode boats. was Art Rav Four Prime. <laughs> oh yeah, thirty minutes of hi, I bought a nude vehicle. This is our Toyota infomercial. <laughs> yes, but it holds airplanes quite nicely, <laughs> and tows them too, right? It, it, it keeps it tows them, it keeps them nice and cool. And I gotcha. Summer. So, will this be a non Rav Four episode? Well, I haven't told you about the features that. Uh, yes, it'll be a nightmare. <laughs> sure, you did. <laughs> <laughs> if you wonder what we're talking about, check out our latest live uh, YouTube video where we talked about my glorious and a few other minor things. <laughs> they want to see our pretty faces. It was live. Yeah. <laughs> it was live at Memorex. But, anyways, uh, those two guys yapping you heard was Lee Ray and Terry Dunn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. And the guy's not been yapping yet. We have a special guest. We have Chris Graca joining us. How's it going? Hey, Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, hold on. Is this a historic moment? What is that? Did you pronounce our guest's name correctly on the first try? <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> maybe, in called... recording, maybe in the recording, I'll change it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peter Who are Robbins. you and what have you done with Fitz? <laughs> Usually, a lot of people pronounce it Garcia. Garcia. Oh, not that bad. Yeah, we tossed around a few possibilities before we called you, and that was not one of the ones <laughs> no. we. No, I uh, don't, don't think so. We didn't add three other letters yeah. to your name. Yeah. Two other All letters right. at least. But thanks for joining us, Chris, and putting up with us. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right then. All right. You got something, Terry? No, I was going to say Fitz, take us away, but then you started to take us away. So I, I <laughs> she <shushed>. interrupted. <laughs> then left us Don't interrupt our interruption. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, I think we'll just get right into the show. I think we're, uh, this is our first time talking to Chris, and uh, he popped up on our radar because he really did some interesting things with uh, something that at least Lee and I have been playing with, and that's 3D printed aircraft. And we saw his design on RC Groups. And it just it just blew us away. Uh, so, but before we get into that, let's uh, introduce our guest, Mr. Chris. Uh, Chris, uh, let's tell us about Graca. your. I know we already said Graca. <laughs> We're all in, Mr. Chris. Mr. Chris. We're all informal here now. Senior Chris. <laughs> Senior Chris. <laughs> when, when did we talk about his aircraft? By the way, I just wanted to know. Does anybody know the episode? Uh, Was it two episodes? Two episodes. I'll have to look it up. Four. So, so uh, one thirty-three. Yes. It's one thirty-three. So you can pause right here. Go back to episode one thirty-three. Go to the seventeen forty-five <laughs> minute mark. <laughs> Re- listen to that, and then come back to this episode. The go. only thing that's going to do is they'll be able to figure out all the things we got wrong <laughs> when we were talking about it without Chris here. Yeah, this is where Chris corrects us. <laughs> go. <laughs> and I should note that Chris goes by Dirty D on RC Groups. I almost don't want to ask where that name came from, but. 
Oh, we're gonna ask. You, you ever uh, see the movie Pootie Tang? No. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, we have homework. Is our homework Pootie Tang. It, it's a good movie. I promise. <laughs> My wife's gonna come in. What are you watching? <laughs> it's research. It's for the podcast. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, how long have you been uh, flying model airplanes? Tell us about your uh, uh, origin story. Origin story. I started flying about 10 years ago, but back when I was, I don't know, like 9, 10 years old, I really wanted to get a RC helicopter, but back then it was just nitro and extremely expensive to get into. And then 10 years ago, uh, finally married in my own house, I decided to get into RC planes. Uh, started with some small foamies. I There weren't any good... A10 Warthog models around that you could buy. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to start designing one myself for Lightfly, Balsa, uh, some plywood. I, I worked on that for a while. I did another scratch build of an ERJ 145 out of foam. Hmm. And then about 2017, I picked up my first printer, a Prusa Mark IIs. And I saw a couple of people kind of messing around with designing planes and 3D printing a full airframes. Uh, and I decided that the most reasonable way to get into this is by making a large seven foot long Airbus A330 to start off with. <laughs> start so small, huh? <laughs> yep. Kind of, kind of like I started small with uh, 810 Warthog, since that had over 700 individual laser cut parts. <laughs> <laughs> wow man you're hardcore right off the, the gate yep that's fantastic so does that mean you have a laser cutter too i do not i uh thankfully there's someone on the forums that offered his laser cutting help at just the cost of materials and shipping so that was that was very fortunate oh nice cool but i assume you speak cad i do okay yeah, i think that would be a daunting project to to farm out 700 some odd parts to to get designed oh yeah yeah, I kind of messed around with CAD just as a little bit of a hobby back in college. And, yeah, I've been kind of messing around with 2D CAD, and then I went into three-dimensional parametric CAD softwares since then. And that's where all my models are generated. Wow. Which program do you like to use? I like using SolidWorks. SolidWorks, yeah. Yeah, I messed around for a while with the free um, version of Rhino for a while. I messed a little bit with AutoCAD's 3D software, but the thing that's missing with those is the parametric aspect where you can kind of roll back a feature yeah. and go back forward, and it, for the most part, updates everything rather than a destructive change to an object. Oh, yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. Good description of parametrics, too. Thanks. So how did that A10 turn out? It turned out great. Uh, there's there's a build, build log on RC groups and on my YouTube channel. There's a couple small videos. Uh, it was a five year project. I was working on it on and off. The nose landing gear kind of put me put me off since it was a little bit difficult. Pull pull steering is never my favorite. Uh, I flew it. I painted it. I didn't fly for a while. On the second flight, I should have went around, but instead I stalled about four or five feet off the runway and smacked down, uh, sheared off all the landing gear. And since then, it's been sitting in my 
basement for a couple of years before I finally took all the electronics out about a year ago. So two plates. <laughs> so if it took five years to build, by the time you finished it, there were probably several ATMs on the market. So the funny thing about that, around the same time that I mated it, the free wing, uh, the free wing version came out the one tenth scale, slightly larger than mine. Uh, mine was one eleventh scale, and then FMS released theirs, which was slightly smaller for twin seventies. <laughs> so, had those been so, available at the time, would you have gone that way, or did? Oh yeah. Okay. So it wasn't all about the journey. No, it wasn't all about. Part of it was, but uh, kind of related to that, I started. I. I started models for an F4 Phantom and OV10 Bronco, and similarly, new models came out from Freewing, Flightline, etc. So I decided just to shelve them. Did you know they make airplanes with only one motor? Uh, they do. <laughs> I've heard rumors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do have a, a U2 that I made for a 50 millimeter EDF. Ooh, if it, that sounds like a convenient, fun size. It is. Uh, and it's also 3D printed. It was a second what? plane I designed. Hmm. Huh. So is that a... All right, we're going to have to get into this a little bit more when we talk about the, the big project, but primarily for those smaller ones on the U2, what material are you printing with? ABS. So is that your go-to material? It is, oh. uh, though I do have one plane I made, uh, a P-13A Lippish. It was supposed to be a coal-fired ramjet interceptor plane uh, towards the end of World War II, but it never really made it into production. I made that one out of PLA. Sounds like one of those Luft 46 kind of designs. Yes, it was. It looks like a flying Dorito. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I had to look it up. I heard the name. I tried to look it up real quick. Yeah, it's a yeah. The, it's basically a flying Dorito with a half a Dorito on top. <laughs> yep. There's plastic models of it you can get. It looks like a... Is there a replica or something in the museum? I don't know. It may have been one of the pre-production models or one they were working on trying to get flying. Yeah, because it looks like a picture of a full-scale one. Did you fly that? Yeah, so, Yeah, I do. Uh, there, I took a couple short videos... So those are avail also available on YouTube. Uh, if I wanted to go to YouTube, what's your channel name? Uh, let me check. <laughs> I think it's Dirty DRC. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure to put a link when we release the episode. Fantastic. Great. So it sounds like you're all in with this 3D printing stuff. Have you abandoned balsa and plywood now? It's a little bit expensive. I've been wanting to build a Zeroli uh, Panther or Cougar. Okay. Or possibly even like a Zero, but uh, it's, yeah, 3D printing is very convenient because you could start the parts and walk away and let the printer do most of the building for 8 to 36 hours. You come back, start a new piece, walk away. Mm -hmm. And especially after I made that A10 Warthog, it was... Yeah, it's it's very noticeable how much time is involved with setting up the ribs, alignment, gluing, sheeting, cutting, sanding, fiberglassing, etc. Yeah, for me, I still enjoy building with balsam plywood, um, and always I'm excited to start a new project. 
and then mm-hmm. I run out of steam about three quarters <laughs> through. And so I typically have to push it through to the end. But I think so. I do want. I do want to go back to possibly make it some hot wired planes using the pink foam from oh, Home yeah. Depot. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, I don't want to get into it here, but there are some CNC hot wire cutters now that could probably use some of your same programming expertise to take advantage of. Oh yeah, I think I've seen some of those where you could cut either wings or uh, more complex shapes. So, yeah. so I want to play devil's advocate a little bit. You say it, it does take a lot of time to build an airplane traditional-wise balsa sticks and stuff, but aren't you just transferring all that time into doing a CAD work? Partially, <laughs> but at the same time, these the, the A10 and the ERJ, mm. I designed on CAD as well, so uh, that time would have been there either way. And you do the CAD work once, and then you can make the model as many times as you need. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. So, for instance, if I if I made the A10 3D printable and I crashed it, it'd be a lot easier for me to uh, take all the electronics, print a new airframe, and then try flying again. Yeah. In fact, I have experience with that recently. It was a plane I've been trying to fly, and I'm having some bad luck with it. And so, uh, you know, after... I just keep printing out new pieces or either the whole plane or pieces of it. Cause, uh, uh, yeah. Do you number them? <laughs> I should. I'm curious what questions Lee has. I'm not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would be just loaded with questions because you've built more 3d printed planes than the other two of us on the show. Which planes have you printed? Fitz has beaten me with his uh, Eclipsin models. I built a Cessna 337, Chris. Okay. Was that a 3D lab print? No, RC 3D print. print. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're a website that they have some of their own models, and they've recently been hosting other designers' models. Mm. Oh, yeah. And Jonathan and I have been talking because I've built two of the 337, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, he was working on a second version, kind of based on the experiences I had, because I, I was the first person to build and fly the 337. Oh, really? I'm going to put my ear, air quotes successfully. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, that was... Uh, I'm sorry. This is yeah. your story. Uh, one of those crashes was mine. I'll take I'll bl- take the blame for that. It was just a weird stall. Fitz was there. <laughs> no, were you there, Fitz? Or was it Austin I was there. there? I think we got a video. That high-speed crash. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That was just weird. I had no power. Anyway, I digress. So, yes, I have rather enjoyed that. And my son, Austin, has built an Eclipsin that uh, we actually resized to fit his printer. So it's actually like a 92% (laughs) version of the one. But it it flew great. You know, we had a good time. Unfortunately, uh, it did have a a crash where he hand-launched it and the uh, motor came off. (laughs) And the rest is history. So he and I, unfortunately, have had two disasters with our most recent 3D prints. But what I'm kind of entertained with by Terry, you know, bringing Chris onto the show, we're talking about Chris's, I mean, I'm obviously no one's able to see these right now. So hopefully we'll have enough links for you guys to go out and look at the awesome pictures of his planes and RC groups. I want to see you too. Yeah, they're, uh, so all these planes are also available on Colts 3D for download as well. And there's additional pictures and photos there, or I guess, yeah, yeah pictures are photos. So while we're talking to you, I'm looking at him. Well, right now I have an FL Sun Delta printer behind me and he and I have been fighting 
<laughs> lately. <laughs> I was attempting to print the new version of the 337, and I am just having a whole bunch of issues. And then one issue turned into another, and then I recently just swapped the hot end. I didn't even tell Fitz. So I have a new hot end on my printer, and... Uh, <laughs> I actually have a giveaway item. I guess I can tell later, but I am finally getting some stuff to print, but I haven't gone back to try to print the 337. So that's that's where I stand right now. But I'd like to uh, ask you more about ABS and why you're choosing that versus, say, PLA or lightweight PLA. It doesn't melt. That's probably the biggest reason. And it's a little bit more durable to uh, impact. So one of the when I first got the printer, I... It, it obviously came with a free file for the P51 Mustang by 3D Lab Print. I printed that. I thought it was pretty cool. I wanted to get their BF109, so I purchased that file, and then I printed it. The whole airframe was complete. The wings were complete. It fell off my workbench, which is about three and a half feet off the ground, and it had a lot of shattered areas. Yeah, shattered like glass. Huh? Yeah. So I, I tried... ABS. I first started ABS with some of my other parts, so I designed some ordnance for the Freewing A10, like Mavericks, uh, Sidewinder missiles, some Mark 82 bombs. And I use ABS just so it's heat tolerant. And they're fairly small parts, and they weren't too difficult to print. The biggest thing that you need to have with ABS printing is an enclosure, because if there's any drafts in the room, if you're walking around, you could cause cracks or warping on the parts themselves and i just bought the largest box from cardboard box from home depot cut a little spot in the top to let the spool stick out put a pet g clear window in the front and i've been using that forever <laughs> uh that's a neat approach you touched on a couple of things um <laughs> where do i start uh i've done a little bit of abs um and I've also done nylon too, which is kind of similar in a way. It's mm -hmm. not quite as tensile strength, but yeah, it's easily, easily prone to warping while you're printing uh, and getting it to adhesion. But I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I just realized I'm looking at your uh, Cults 3D page, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a small world because I've printed out quite a few of your A10 parts for my Freewing A10. Great. Shut up. Yes. These are the exact parts. I've, I've been working on a um, repainting and redoing a Freewing A10, my custom paint scheme. And forever. forever, I know. It's actually it was supposed to be one of my videos. And uh, one of the things I was, was going to talk about is stuff I was able to find to 3D print various stuff. You, uh, I mean, you had some really good stuff on there, uh, especially the, uh, the launch rails for the various th parts. Uh, for the missiles. Oh yeah, those are my favorite. And uh, the one you had for the um, the uh, the the bombs, the launch. Um, it's not really a launch rail per se. Yeah, the triple ejector. Yeah, rack. triple ejector rack. Thank you. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I love the name, the triple ejector rack. <laughs> Somebody should trademark that. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say thank you so much for making those. Uh, yeah, I'm really, sure. I'm really dressing up my A10, and I, I actually was almost finished the video. I need to. I was just making a mental note the other day that I need to finish up the last bits. I was making a, um, I was having issue vacuum forming something, and so for one of the uh, GBU bombs, I think, or something, or Maverick, but uh, um, but those things really came out nice, and uh, and 
just want to give you kudos and just, just as I didn't realize it was you. Uh, even the little vents, those thing, little vents that you made for the fuselage are awesome. Oh yeah. I love, those are one of my favorite features. Uh, so, um, that's just, uh, I didn't realize it was you until I went to your site and, um, good, good work and, and, uh, thanks a lot. Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying them. Uh, so watch out with those triple ejector racks cause when they're fully loaded and you have more than a pair, you will notice a very, uh, a very noticeable increase in drag when you're flying. Uh, actually, ironically, they're going to be mostly empty. All right, not too much of that drag then. Yeah, the pictures, I'm basing it off of pictures of a, the Connecticut Air National Guard. And all the pictures I found, those ordnance are generally empty. The triple ejector racks, I guess they don't load them up unless you're really going to go, you know, blow something up. So I figured I'd replicate that. Most of the time they're empty. I'm not going to put anything on them. Just, just just to have them there to dress up. To you, know, you know the those tiny little blue bombs that they usually use for practice? Yeah. I've designed some of those, and they fit on the triple ejector rack. If you want to go for something very small, low resistance. Uh, yeah, I think they they've. Um, yes, I'd be interested in that. I had a conversation. A high school classmate of mine worked at the National Guard, and he mentioned that they would carry those on occasion. But I don't think I had seen a picture of it or any models of it. So I'd definitely be interested in that. So anyway, where were we <laughs> before I got sidetracked? Well, if we needed any ABS, more proof, yeah. So ABS. Uh, unusual. Is there issues <laughs> oh. with ABS printing thin wall like that? I presume you print thin wall. So is there any? Yes. Go ahead. If you, yeah, if you try to do like the the standard, what what people call thin wall printing, which is just a single perimeter extrusion, usually zero point four millimeter you will get a lot of waviness. So if you try to use ABS for a 3D lab print or a plain print model, you may notice a little bit more tin canning buckling around some areas. And especially for larger long parts like wing segments, it's going to get a lot more lifting and warping. So when I was designing the, the airliner to start with, I was, I was battling the, I was battling the warping. And the one thing I realized with ABS is you're limited to more shorter segments of parts to limit the amount of warping that can occur. So something that you, let's say you had like a wing segment that is 150, 200 millimeters long. Uh, I had to chop that piece. So both the segments are usually no longer than 100 millimeters. And the Lippish is one of the only planes that I've done the thin wall approach. And that one, it's it was still kind of not the best, which is why I decided for a majority of, this, of the airframe to just do PLA. But my other models like the Airliner, the U2, the Buckeye, those are all there. So it doesn't follow the similar printing approach as other companies. But I have physically made all the wall thicknesses a set thickness. So most of the wing skins, if you open up an STL file, you'll see it has a thickness of 0.8 millimeters. So when the printer prints it, it's basically two perimeters. Mm, okay, that makes sense. So that's, par that's partially how I combated the warping with ABS. So Not to mention, it, almost, it, acts a little, it makes the parts a lot more stiffer. 
it's almost similar to laminating two pieces of balsa together. One piece of 116th balsa is fairly flexible, but if you laminate a second one in the same orientation even, it stiffens it up a good amount. So I imagine there's a weight penalty, though, for doing that? Oh, yeah. So obviously double the thickness, double, double the weight, but ABS is also lighter than PLA. Ah. It's about, it's about I think, 18% lighter. So it's not as bad of a penalty. But the other nice thing about ABS, when you do the two-wall approach, approach is you need less internal stiffeners to maintain the shape and stiffness. So most of the 3D printed planes that are doing the single wall approach, you'll notice a lot of them have this like checkerboard pattern throughout the whole wing. Uh, lots of stringers running through the, the fuselage. You could reduce that by a lot with ABS with two wall approach even. Interesting. And it looks more like a conventional built up wing where you have maybe like a, a, a primary spar and a sub spar in the rear running yeah. vertically. Interesting. So, and you're adhering the parts with acetone? Correct. Yeah, because it acts as a solvent and it turns into a chemical weld. Do you also do acetone bath to smooth the surface? I do not because it's, if I, the size of those parts I have, I'd have to make a large chamber and making a, a vacuum chamber of that size probably could turn into a bomb. So. <laughs> So it sounds like you're making your 3D printer models in a unique way. Are other people following this approach, or are you kind of the Lone Ranger out here? Nope, I'm the Lone Ranger. All right. So what possessed you to try this approach? Was this um, your trial and error, or, or give us an insight to your thought process? Yeah, it was a little bit, it was a little bit trial and error. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the single wall approach, so I decided let's go with this uh, two-parameter thicker design method and it seemed to work the, uh, as long as you're making a plane large enough there the weight penalty is not that bad because you get larger wing area the larger the plane is the better it can fly with more weight due to cubic wing loading yeah i was thinking the same thing with the larger planes the you know things like reynolds numbers and stuff you have just overall mm-hmm. improved aerodynamics uh you you sound like, or do you work in the aerospace industry? You sound like someone who does. No, I kind of just, I, I've done a fair bit of reading. I've messed, I've messed, I've messed with uh, some of those design software like Xflir for trying to design a wing or a plane and seeing what the stall speed is, trying to determine where the center of gravity should be located. So when I do the maiden flight, it's not not a toss up in the air and not a scary. <laughs> so, so there's new stuff out called LWPLA. Have you played around with that? Lightweight PLA. Yep. Uh, I've heard of it. I have not played around with it, but I did try out color fabs, lightweight ASA because ASA is similar to ABS, mm. but it just, it didn't really work out. It was too brittle. I think lightweight ASA would be pretty good for non-structural parts. So, if you want to print off ordnance for a plane or have some like fairings that are little bits of detail on an airframe, it's fine uh, because it doesn't weigh so much. But it's it doesn't seem to be by itself a good solution for printing unless if you plan on fiberglassing at all. 
So you sound like you've kind of figured out this ABS approach, but for somebody who's newer to 3D printing, do you think this is something they can handle or is it probably for more advanced users? I think it's fairly easy to get into, assuming that you can have some type of enclosure around your printer. A lot of times, yeah, a lot of times people have mentioned if you're printing ABS, well, that means you need a heater inside your enclosure. Not really. Uh, I've, I've not used any heater for any of my prints in ABS and they've been turning out fine. The one thing about a heated bed. Yes. Heated, heated beds. Definitely. I think. Uh, I, I, none of my printers are non-heated, so I can't really give any, uh, experience without a heated bed, but I'm sure it wouldn't turn out as well. Gotcha. And with printing ABS, I found that it's best to print without any cooling fans. So zero cooling. Yeah. Cause you're setting that temperature to like 270 Celsius. Is that right? 250, usually two, 255. That's still pretty high. Then what your mm-hmm. what's your bed? 80, 90? Uh first layer 80, 90, and then I drop it down to about 80. Yeah, you got you got yourself a little space heater in your room. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I think I've I've measured the ambient temperature in the box and it's in the high seventies, mid eighties sometimes. Mm-hmm. No, no issues with stringing? Fahrenheit. Stringing not really, but since there's no cooling fan, you gotta be careful when you get to like skinny sections or uh small parts because as as it starts to print it doesn't have enough time to cool so it starts to become all melty looking oh yeah 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 so what i sometimes have to do is if i'm printing a small part i print two of them and set them maybe like 50 millimeters apart on the bed that way it prints the layer on the first one it scoots over to the second starts printing that one scoots back to the first and it gives it a little bit of time for that past layer to just cool down enough. Yeah, to cool down, yes. Some slicer programs, you can tell it to slow down mm-hmm. on uh, really small diameter parts and stuff like that. Uh, in fact, what slicer do you use, just out of curiosity? I use the, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's a Slicer PE. It, it has the, the E replaced the 3. Oh, yeah, yeah. Slick 3R, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, oh. I've used that in quite a while. I used That was my first printer I got had that used that program. Yeah, it was it was a default one for the Prusas, so I've been kind of running with that oh, one. Oh, okay. I know they came out with a, a recent new type of slicer called Prusa Slicer, but I haven't really yes, tried that one yet. Yes, that's what I use. I also have a Prusa printer, a Mark III, and it came with the Prusa Slicer, which I found to be actually pretty good, really quite nice. Yeah, it looks very easy to use. Yes, easy to use. It's very um, flexible. Uh, I, I like it because I was using Cura before, which is okay, and and uh, reluctantly went to Prusa Slicer because it was recommended for the printer, and I've been happy with it. Nice. What printer are you using, Chris? I have uh, two Prusa Mark II S's. So it's the earlier version to the Mark III S. It has a slightly smaller bed. Uh, what's the size on that guy? I think it's two, two ten by two fifty by two hundred tall. So that's amazing. You can build such okay. big planes and really not that big of a printer. Yeah, and it's uh, so. There's some other designers out there. One of them on RC Groups. He goes by Linksman. He made. An L thirty nine for one hundred twenty millimeter EDF. Wow! And that EDF, 
and the EDF is even printed printable. Oh gosh, oh, that's awesome. And I printed one of I printed one of those models on my Prusa, even though a lot of the parts are meant for a printer that's at least three hundred by three hundred. <laughs> I just had to split the parts into two segments for the most part and do a left side of a fuselage, the right side, and then glue the segments together. <laughs> but yeah, that that guy. Uh, my airframe came out to be about 19 pounds. Wow, that's a lot of plastic. So, so did did you oh, yeah. print the impeller? <laughs> yep. Man, uh, man I, I I think it's a bridge too far for me. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like uh, yeah, 30, 30 flights, uh, no explosions, I'm going strong. Same material, ABS or something else? ABS. Yep. Wow. Though I think he he printed his in PLA with no issues. PLA. Yep. A fan? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Is he just idling it? <laughs> oh no, he's he's put over over hundred plus flights on his. Wow, wow, that's impressive. But I would think even just uh, expansion at high RPM. Yeah, I mean, even uh, fiber reinforced blades will expand a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of similar to the EDFs you could buy from a store. Usually, they sometimes. They have a little bit of a break in when you first run them up. They start scraping against the the wall. Yeah, they rub a little bit of the housing, and then afterwards, it just finally reaches a point where, yep, I'm good. No more scraping. Well, I'm just thinking the structural right. integrity of the blades themselves, the actual veins. Hmm. All right. Well, he has our respect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I would not be brave enough. Yeah, to his that. his files are also on Colts. Uh, so yeah, if you if you search for L39 or he also made a HE-162 Salamander. Oh, cool. Um, on the ABS, what do you use to finish your airplanes? I usually sand them down, and I use... Occasionally, I use some fiberglass cloth with acetone to bond to it. So rather than doing like a traditional fiberglass with epoxy or uh, water-based polyurethane like some folks use... I just use acetone to basically melt the upper surface of the plastic and it bonds to the fiberglass cloth with an almost negligible weight wow. gain. Interesting. I imagine it's, it's not as, it probably adds a lot of strength yeah, as well. It, it adds a good amount, but it's probably not as strong as if you were to use traditional uh, resin. But would resin stick to ABS? I, I've tried... I've tried some epoxy on ABS, and I don't know if I'm just not prepping it right, but it doesn't stick too well. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. It kind of just peels right off. Yeah. And so and it, Same you end up with a, a decent surface? You, yeah, do decent you have to fill use, the weave or anything? I use, um, what do you call it? Rust-Oleum filler primer. Okay. So that's what I've used on some of my models. The U2... Those ones I left in the bare white uh, ABS, and I also printed one in black ABS, but that one I just used some Tester's Model Master enamel to get the flat black. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I avoid dark colors here in Texas for... for (laughs) (laughs) It's a quick... With ABS, it's not too much of an issue. I've had it. I've had that sitting on the black driveway in the direct sun in the middle of summer without really an issue. Mm. 
Oh, well, there you go. You guys down there in Houston need to start using ABS. That, I'm curious. That's, that is, I have some spools of ABS. I may try it just there as an experiment. Yeah, I know where you can download some yes. files. Well, I'm going to add to this. I'm going to get some technical. <laughs> There's the plug. <laughs> uh, uh, I've got to go to this technical question, though. Uh, ABS, and with that amount of heat, I don't think my FL Sun can generate that kind of heat so did you have to change your nozzle do you have did you have to do any upgrades to your equipment the prusa i've taken it up to i think 295 before it started screaming at me wow <laughs> but yeah if if your nozzle could do 270 you should be able to do abs i mean i've only done petg and that was up to what 235 maybe mm-hmm. so i've not pushed it any further I've, I've printed some ABS in 235. I mean, it flows, uh, but I find that 255 is a little bit better with uh, layer bonding strength. Yeah, I think most printers should be able to do like 260. It's pretty common. <laughs> I I will find that limit. <laughs> what what takes a lot of power You're is gonna... the bed. If you getting the bed heated up is what takes a lot of power. It's already 79 degrees in my office right now with just my computer and my two monitors on. When I turn that printer on over there, <laughs> I'm in my Bermuda shorts. <laughs> I've got, got a little ceiling fan running 100%. Yeah, it gets crazy. And I have, I mean, it's not even in an enclosure, so I'd have to really change my setup to go that route. Cardboard box, that's all you need. <laughs> so, so let's uh, talk about what kind of puts you on our radar because you kind of alluded to it before. And that when you, you built uh, the the A10 and then you worked on an F4 and it was an OV10 and all three of those, as soon as you came, you know, you started working on those or you made them, commercial companies came out with them. But your, your late one of your latest projects is something that I would be extremely surprised if any company even thought about making one, much less even made one, and that is the T2 Buckeye. And uh, there's a great thread in RC groups of your build and your design of that. And it's just such an unusual plane to see in RC model form. And, uh, and you, you actually flew it at a recent event, I think, um, and won some awards with it. Yeah, EDF, EDF Jet, Jet Jam. So we went to the Jet Jam. One, one thing I'd love to go to one of those day, one of these days. And, uh, and it, was, it seemed like you had a nice flight with it. it. looked like it was a very honest flying plane uh, as far as flying on the wing and and um, I was really impressed with the slow speed landing you did, and uh, it, that's just a. <laughs> it's a very distinctive looking aircraft, and so yeah, the flying guppy. Yeah, <laughs> why did you pick that particular subject? Uh, I thought it was a pretty interesting looking plane. Uh, I really like the wide stance of the landing gear, and uh, yeah, I guess that's really it. Yeah, and so did the fact that it isn't modeled frequently was that a bonus? That was a part of it. So I actually, I think 2019, I won a Schubler fan from the Jet Jam raffle when I attended that year, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to make a poll on RC groups of several models, and whoever's the winner is the one I'm going to build around this 90 millimeter EDF. So I, I did the Buckeye, I did the Drakken. Ooh, uh, I think I had the F F one eleven Super Intard. Or is that the one we don't see very often? Uh F thirty five C variant. 
And I, I may have had like one other one, but uh, it was pretty close between the Draken and the Buckeye, but the Buckeye won out. Yeah, I, that's what I would have picked as well. Yeah, the now, great thing does... about the that plane is also how much travel is on the suspension. And with, with how a lot of people fly RC planes, it's good to have that much suspension <laughs> travel. <laughs> All the hand-fisted model, modelers out there, <laughs> model flyers. <laughs> so, so, well, go ahead, Terry. If if I'm not mistaken, the real T2 has two engines. Is your model two or one? So mine was based on the A variant, which was uh, the first variant that came out, a single engine, before, okay. before it was changed to a two engine to get a little bit more performance and that fail safe with having a second engine on uh, on a carrier. Okay. And I, I went with the T2A because it would make it a lot simpler and more efficient for a single engine fan. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree. So you still have separate intake ducts. Yeah, the the T2 still has the, the dual intakes. Uh, and the, the way I have it set up in the model is it kind of, it has a partial ducting that goes into the fuselage cavity. And then I have a separate uh, ductwork path that kind of leads into the EDF to kind of smooth the airflow a bit. And it, the intake's fairly small, and it's a little bit too undersized for the EDF. I think it was close to 65% fan swept area. So there's also a wow. cheater hole at the bottom of the model to give that extra air intake. Gotcha. But I mean, if I, I think... Uh, you could easily put one of those miniature turbines in there and it'll be plenty happy with that intake. That's cool. Well, and that's roughly what a 90 millimeter fan to children. Yeah. It's a 90 millimeter, which surprisingly puts out not too much thrust in the model, partially because of the inefficient intake. And I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, the intake's not the best for it. So I'm putting out about three and a half kilograms of thrust on a 6.7 kilogram model. But it flies nice with just barely over one half thrust to weight ratio. And how many cells? 12. Oh, really? Oh, so. Wow. It's got a low KV. Wow. So, so have you looked at adding additional air inlets or cheater holes or anything like that? I had to modify the the intake ducting because when I originally, when I was partially done building the model, I realized I missed one, one important aspect, which is the thrust line because the engine is so low in the model. Hmm. Uh, you're going to have a pretty heavy pitch coupling. So, uh, halfway through the build, I had to shift, I had to retrofit shift the EDF about an inch up into the fuselage, give it about 5% down thrust. And then, there was a little bit of interference with existing structure inside the fuselage where I couldn't really get a very smooth transition for the intake ducting. So uh, it's a little bit more sharp, and I think that's causing some of the thrust loss. But uh, I've recently updated the model to kind of take that into account. So uh, I have a second Buckeye almost fully printed. I'm going to move the. I'm going to do some thrust tests and see if I pick up some efficiently efficiency in that. Uh, 12 cells is a bit on, on the high side for a 90 yeah. mil. Uh, it is, are people talking about maybe using uh, something that's around 
uh, six to eight cells, perhaps? Yeah, some people suggested I could probably even fly the model on a 12S 70 millimeter or a more kind of reasonable 80 millimeter between 8 to 12S, depending how, if you want it to be a high current or low current setup. So are other people currently building this design? I think a few people have downloaded it so far, uh, but there's only one active member on RC groups that has been showing printed progress. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned the landing gear. Is that your own custom landing gear or are you using something yep. off the shelf? Yeah, it's custom and I kind of follow a similar, pro similar approach to what I did with uh, Airbus. Uh, so kind of, one thing with the Airbus is there's a fair bit of extension with how the strut is on the mains, and it also has a bit of a tilt on the bogies. Uh, mm. When the model's on the ground, it's almost fully compressed with maybe five, mil five to ten millimeters of travel. And my thought with that is most models that are released now, if you look at the landing gear suspension, it's fully loaded and there's no compression when the plane is on the ground with the batteries loaded. So if you come in on a hot landing, you're going to compress all the landing gear. You're going to have all that stored energy in the springs and it's, it's just going to launch you back in the air. Uh, on the Airbus, because it's almost fully preloaded when it's kind of in a, sitting in a neutral position, uh, when it comes in for landing, it kind of slowly arrests that uh, downward motion while you're landing and it doesn't really cause the plane to bounce up and the buckeye is similar in that fashion where uh it has a lot of travel but you could compress you could you could compress a lot of the the mains and even the nose gear with not too much pressure but then the last the last half of travel is where you get a lot more of the the pushback oh nice almost like a two-step so, yeah it's, it's a bit of a two-stage what is the, the landing, landing gear made out of? The landing gear first started with ABS, but it was a little bit too uh, noodly. Mm. So I printed in PLA. Really? But Interesting. Yeah, so it's PLA. The landing gear is printed. Yep, the landing gear is printed. The struts are carbon fiber tubes. And the the kind of nice thing with that is if you were to uh, land not too nicely, rather than transferring all that energy into the the landing gear mounts in the wings and the nose and causing a large amount of damage to the wing and fuselage. Uh, the landing gear almost act as a fail safe as a fuse. So it's the like landing a, gear breaks. Uh, the weakest link. It's like a sacrificial part. Exactly. So that's actually what's ha what happened on my Airbus during one of its landings. I hit a tuft of grass on the runway that's coming out of the cracks and it sheared off the nose gear. But Otherwise, if that was too strong, it could have caused a lot of damage to the the bulkhead in the nose. So you just keep a bucket full of those parts in your flight box? Yeah, I usually bring one. <laughs> right. a, spare, a spare nose gear, a nose strut. Yeah, it's always good to have spares. Uh, so what are the basic specs on the Buckeye? The wingspan, weight? I don't know. Specific gravity? Wingspan. Yeah. <laughs> it is one... Uh, one seven and a half scale, which is similar to the old DCU kit that was available. It is like we talked about 12S, but you could do a higher current setup and possibly do as low as 6S. Wingspan, 
61 inches or 1.55 meters and length is about 61 uh, inches as well. Does it all come apart at all? Yeah, it does. The wings, the wings come off, the tip tanks come off. So uh, if you need to put it in the car a little bit easier, you could take the wings with the tip tanks still installed. If you have a wing bag, uh, but the tips don't fit, you could disconnect the tip tanks easily. Uh, the horizontal stabs on the tail are removable. The nose section comes off. Uh, there's a, a hatch for the EDF, a hatch for in the canopy for battery access. Ooh, nice. But, now, speaking of canopy, it looks like that's vacuum formed. Correct. Okay. Do you have if somebody downloads the files? Do you have a uh, something you can three D print to, as a, a plug, or how would somebody yep. make the? Yeah, I, uh, I included some files for three D printable plugs. Oh, cool. So, if someone were to have a vacuum forming box, they could make their own uh, clear canopy. Uh, do you do you finish the plug in any way? I imagine you print it out in ABS. Yeah, it's similar to how I finished the airframe where I, I printed ABS, I, I sanded, I used a little bit of Rust-Oleum filler primer, and then I just keep on doing some application sanding until it's a little bit smooth. Hmm. Is it one piece? The plugs? The, the, can, the canopy. Uh, the canopy is... I had My vacuum forming box isn't that large, so it's... Uh, so you got the front windscreen... That's one section, and then the rest of the canopy has two separate uh, vacuum-formed clear glass sections. Oh, nice. So, like, gotcha. three pieces. Yeah, first of all... Yeah. Yeah. And it seems not only big, but it looks like there's some undercut to it, where if it was in one piece, you wouldn't be able to release it from the mold. Yeah. So, so what would you say would be the hardest part of, of designing this model? Probably the first one is learning the software. Hmm. And then second part would be kind of understanding how you want to approach splitting the parts up to be printable, as well as have all the features you want, like the spars, any any slots for CF tubes, uh, locations for... Uh, battery hatches or for servos. But then after you kind of figure that out on one model, you could usually apply it to the next. Yeah, it's one of those cases of it's it's a lot easier when you know what you're doing. Yeah, you kind of have to play around with things, see how it works, uh, roll with it, see how it turns out on the fully printed flying model. Decide if you want to stick with that or try something new on the next. But what about like a lot of the shapes? Did you were you able to find cross sections that you could import and trace over, or is it a lot of freehand or just? So yeah, the problem with a lot of the three views is they they kind of look right, but then when you start placing them on a drawing and tracing over it, lofting the sections together, you realize all right, this is this kind of looks a little funky. So they're a good reference point. But what I do a lot of times is I download a lot of reference images. And then as I'm making the model, I kind of reorient it on the screen. I look at a picture. I kind of do uh, a flick test where I try to orientate the part on in the CAD software to match the same orientation as the picture. 
so that when I maximize the picture on my screen, it's almost a complete overlay. And then you kind of do like a flick test between the picture and the, the CAD design to see how is it, how does it look? Do I need to move anything? Do I need to thin, thin a part out? Do I need to broaden it? Hmm. So how much time elapsed from the minute you said, okay, I'm going to build a Buckeye until you broke ground with the model? Let's see. So making the base, what I call the base model, which is basically just uh, the airplane itself as a single solid body, is the easiest part. Uh, the Buckeye took me about 40 hours to get it 95% done. But then as I started diving into it a little bit more, I, I was like, all right, let's add some panel lines. Some of these features are, are a little bit off. Let me tweak it. Then that's where it starts to... You get a little bit of diminishing diminishing return, but it starts to take up a lot more time. It's mm-hmm. an old 80-20 rule. Yeah. And then getting into... I didn't log any of my hours for doing the actual design work of converting the parts into individual sections and then individual printable pieces. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the 300 to 500 range. And calendar-wise, how long was the design and build process? A year and a half. Oh, okay. You got to tell us about the maiden flight. Uh, maiden flight was uh, obviously a little bit ner- nerve-wracking because you never know, is this CG going to be too nose-heavy? Is it going to plow into the field? Is it going to be too tail-heavy? Is it going to crash or tip-stall? But uh, I thankfully had a pretty good... CG located on it. I had to worry about the thrust line, so I, I had to make sure to not apply throttle too heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it was it flew pretty nice. Just need a little bit of trim on the elevators, and it was kind of coasting around. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But you have a gyro on that. I saw one of your videos with the gyro kind of. Yeah, it was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so after after the maiden flight, after I did a couple of laps, I decided to turn the gyro on because it was a little bit gusty that day. Uh, but yeah, it's it flies fine without a gyro. Uh, I usually fly with some stabilization just due to gusts and winds, just so I don't have to fight it the whole time. And all axes? Yep. Okay. So you went to this jet jam. Mm-hmm. I assume that there aren't many other 3D printed models at all, but especially not ABS printed models. So is, was it something of a sensation? And did you spend a lot of time explaining, basically like you're explaining to us what went into it? Yeah, it, was, uh, it definitely caught a lot of people's attention. Uh, this wasn't the first time I brought a 3D printed plane to Jet Jam. Uh, 2019, I brought my Airbus and I made it at Jet Jam. So it's... Oh, cool. It's even a little bit more anxiety flying in front of close to 100 people with everyone has their phones out filming it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think it was 2018. I went to Jet Jam, but I brought one of the 3D lab print models. I printed uh, the MiG-15. Oh, yeah. I forgot they had that. But yeah, this with ABS or PLA? That one was PLA. And uh, that's kind of where when I realized... For sure, I didn't want to do PLA anymore 
because the plane was red and it had some red accents on the canopy on some of the decals. And what happened is when it was sitting in the sun, it got soft. It's hard to, to sag a bit. And even when the plane was waiting uh, in the queue for flight, you could see the plane slowly start to sag in the sun. <laughs> so it, it suddenly got a lot of dihedral. Or anhedral. Maybe if you put some, like, 70 sunblock on it. <laughs> yeah, or, or cover it with uh, with a tent until you're ready to fly. I know that's, I think that's what a lot of people seem to do with their PLA-printed planes. They have a little pop-up tent, or they make some type of cover out of the same material that people put on their front windshields to block the sun out. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, kind of, that sounds like kind of going back to the babysitting. Buckeye this past year, what was surprising was how many people at the event uh, flew in the Navy and trained on the Buckeye. Oh, yeah. I bet you get a lot of feels yeah. from that. Yeah. A lot of feels. Huh? I was, I'm looking at the picture of the Buckeye uh, from RC Group. You have one sitting on uh, on your table. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed you have a little stall strip on the leading edge of the wings. Yep. That, that's that's attention to detail. Yeah, if you keep looking around, you'll find some more more little details. Wow. So so I had a general question. Um, I've, I've always heard about Jet Jam, but I've never been to it, and I, neither of the other guys. What's, what's that event like? Give me just your overall impression of it and explain it to somebody who's never been to it. What to expect there? Yeah, it's a all electric jet event. Uh, it's it's been it's been at Rosewood RC, which is uh, near Louisville, Kentucky, and it's located in in, in Elizabeth, Indiana. So way this way southern tip. Uh, this past year, I forget what their attendance was, but. Uh, it was, I think, somewhere in the 130 to 150 range oh. of people on Saturday. But it's an event that goes from Wednesday to uh, Saturday when it officially ends. But the field's obviously open for people that if they came in with trailers or in RVs, they mm. could obviously stay for the rest of the weekend and uh, fly freely on Sunday. Wow, that's a really good attendance. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's a really fun event. Lots of uh, cool planes people bring out. There usually is presence from Horizon Hobby at the event, as well as other vendors mm-hmm. such as RC Jetworks, uh, who who distribute some HSD jets, as well as RC Jetworks lipos. Mm. Yeah, you see a lot of a lot of the free wing FMS models, a couple scratch builds here and there, uh, several composite models. That's nice. I'm looking at the yeah, it's, it's overall pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, probably a lot of the GWS ducted fans. I don't think I saw too many of those. No, uh, okay. not anymore. Nike <laughs> way way back. Oh man, <laughs> I always liked that. I always would have would have loved to uh, have one like that here. In fact, Lee's Club used to have one, right? Uh, all jet, all electric jet event some years ago, mm-hmm. and for some reason yep. don't have it anymore, and. Uh, I tried pinging the SCOBY club to see if they were interested in doing something like that since they have a lot of jet people there, but I never really was able to get through to anybody. Uh, and my club is, it's too much of a hassle to have an event other than the one we have a year. Um, but I, I just like the concept. All electric jet event just sounds really neat and get a lot of people to show up with all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, if you search uh, EDF Jet Jam on YouTube, you can find a lot of videos. Mm. Uh, I know that... 
Motion RC came out one of, one or two of the years, so they have a pretty good promotional video kind of covering mm. uh, kind of like the whole events. They took some drone footage. Well, so I get the impression that you get a lot of enjoyment out of the details and building your models and making them look just the way you imagine. Yep. So how do you take it easy? What's your, your it's hard. Airplane? <laughs> yeah. Can you, do you have any beaters that you just take out for fun or is there just nothing in that for you? Yeah. I mean, uh, so I, I have a couple foamies. Um, my go-to warm-up jet is the free wing yak 130 for the 70 millimeter. Okay. So that's a bit of a beater. I've, I've close to 150 flights on it, and I just crashed it for the first time about a month back, but glued it back together. It's still flying. That's the red one, right? Yeah, the red yeah, one. Yeah, a club member has one. He let me fly it, and that's a surprisingly fast model. Yeah, it's it, it moves really fast, but also lands nice and slow when you have full flaps. Mm. You come in really nice and steep. But yeah, it's a success uh, model. That's a success, 70 millimeter. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah, like uh, the all those ordnance I made for the A10, uh, that's one of the few planes that I actually repainted. So I did it in the Euro green camo scheme. Uh, that's I wouldn't really call that a beater, but that's another plane that I fly fairly frequently. Yeah, it's a nice flying model. Okay. Really, yeah. I really enjoy it. I haven't flown mine in a while because I'm still in the process of finishing repaint, but I remember when I did fly it, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I flew mine for the first time this year, this past weekend, so it's kind of forgot how well it flies. So, I ha- okay. so oh, go ahead. Folks. I was going to say, oh, well, I was just kind of jumping ahead. I was going to say, do you have something, a gleam in your eye for the next project? Yep, I, I, got, a, I got a little spreadsheet going on here. Oh, did I just <laughs> cut you off, Terry? No, no, I was going to ask the same question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been talking a lot. You want to ask you it, did Terry? It more eloquently. <laughs> no, I could not could, my, could not match your eloquence oh, okay. with that. Yeah, the the one I'm working on right now is a Horton Horton Nine, otherwise known as a, the Horton Two Two Nine. Oh, the Flying Wing. Yep. Oh wow. Well, all the Hortons are, aren't they? I guess they are. Is, is that the dual jet? Yep. Kind of embedded in the wing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know that's cool. that's been a bit of a tricky subject for people to fly due to uh, stability issues with no tail, as well as some interactions between the exhaust and the rear of the fuselage. But okay. I kind of want to tackle yeah. it, see how it works. Challenge accepted. Yep. And you're going to go fully tailless. I know a lot of people have had a little bit of a training wheel tail, kind of on the bottom of it, like a, just a small one. Uh, I'm probably going to maiden it with that small tail and even the thrust tubes and then slowly trim back on the thrust tubes and the tail and, to, and see if I could still fly it. Did that have drag rudders? I don't, or drag it does. Runs, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, drag rudders. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to talk right out of my fanny here, but do you guys remember at the AMA Expo West we talked to the NASA crew out there about the Prantle wing, the the one that got stability from the what appears to be extreme washout at the tips. Don't remember that. Do you remember any of this? Don't remember that. Oh, they had this very high aspect ratio flying wing, 
and it was meant to test this theory from a long time ago. And the, <clears throat> the person who presented that theory was Prandtl, P-R-A-N-D-T. Oh, I don't remember, but um, it's very interesting. I don't remember all the details of it, but yeah, the, from what I recall, the the foundation of it was it had a lot of washout yep. in the wing, and that added. So you're familiar with this, Chris? Yep. Yeah. Is, so is that yeah, something that you could apply? Is, yeah, that is something that is applied to this model, where any type of uh, tailless planes, it's recommended to have what's called a bell lift distribution curve, mm-hmm. so that you have a majority of the lift obviously in the center of the the fuselage, and then as you get towards the tip, it goes negative. So you have negative lift at the tip, and due to that excessive washout, it creates it creates um, it creates drag. And stability okay. due to the drag of the wingtips. And that being behind the center of gravity. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yes. I, I remembered the basics of it. So now is that something that was in the original design or that's something that's just generically a part of flying wing design? I think that is pretty standard for all types of flying wings where they have to take that into account. Okay. Otherwise, if you have some type of winglets on the outside of the wing, you you could likely get away with less of a bell lift distribution curve, but okay. uh, I'm also kind of not speaking from experience here. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like you will have several things working for you if you have the negative washout plus the wing sweep and um, maybe some type of drag rudder kind of things. At least keep you... Yeah, we'll, we'll see if it flies or not. Yeah. Oh, there's been models before, right, of these flying? Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of them flying, uh, but yeah, the, it's kind of like it was mentioned. You got to have cheat a little bit sometimes with a tiny tail. Oh, I never noticed that. Uh, and those thrust tubes. Hmm. Oh. Are you sure you're not an aerospace engineer? <laughs> it, it, it's kind of funny because I applied for that when I went to college, but then I decided to go into electrical engineering instead. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Do, do you mind if we ask what you do for a living? Uh, sure. I work at Microsoft, but, uh, I deal in the data center realm. Okay, cool. And do you get to exercise this kind of pursuit of the, the, the granular stuff or is it as much fun in with your electrical engineering work? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting, fast paced work. You could definitely dive into the weeds with any type of subject but uh yeah i mean the aerospace has always been a a hobby and a interest of mine so that's kind of where i've been landing with 3d printing and just scratch building okay and maybe it's better that you keep them separate yeah sometimes if if you do it all day and then you come home it's not quite as attractive yeah and, and sometimes with uh designing stuff and 3d printing it kind of Turns turns into almost a second job, and I had to take a break for a month, two months, and then get back in when I'm excited to work on it again. Mm. Yep. We know all about burnout, don't we, boys? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lee, first of all, are you still with us? Should I call I'm still, 911? I'm still here. I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any questions? What do you print that's not RC or aviation related? Do you do you make soap dishes? <laughs> do you ashtrays? <laughs> ashtrays. You really make me think on this one. 
I just did, I'm just curious. I mean, obviously you you did it to to do planes, but I'm just I'm just curious if there's any other kind of venture you get into. I mean, if you make car parts for friends, or I mean, I'm just you know. Yeah. So uh, thinking out of the box. One of the first things I printed when I bought the printer was uh, on on our baby monitor. The kickstand broke, so I reverse engineered it, designed it, printed a replacement. But besides yeah. that, I mean, I made a couple trinkets here and See, there. See, honey, it paid for itself. Yep, there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've, I've, I think I made a couple trinkets here and there, like a, a whistle maybe, or like a chip clip, uh, a bag, a uh, potato chip clip to keep the bag closed. I've had some, right. yeah, it's a lot of times it's some other like flying buddies, they have some requests like, hey, I broke my nose cone or... Can you make this part? And I'm like, yeah. Let me give me a couple of days. Huh. <laughs> Do you ever go to like Thingiverse, or are you just like ah, bah, amateurs? Sometimes I look on Thingiverse. <laughs> oh, uh, another thing that isn't RC planes. I downloaded a file to make an RC submarine. If that counts. Ooh. All right, we're gonna have to cut you out there <laughs> before. I think, I think Terry and I are done. We'll see you all later. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you stop recording the episode when you're finished. Fitz. Yeah, turn off the lights when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> they're ragging on me because I, I play with submarines rc submarines too nice yeah, so. <laughs> yeah it was it was always something i kind of wanted to get into but uh, i don't have a pool and i'm not near a body of water that would make it easy to to pilot one. Oh, oh that's, that's well, too bad i'm sure flights from chicago to houston are pretty reasonable and uh <laughs> fitz does have a body of water yeah, I guess lots of bodies of water. Yeah, uh, you can have well, submarine races. I, I, I say, try to uh, uh, find a body of water. Submarines are pretty neat. They're kind of like flying underwater, actually. I really thought Terry was. I mean, Fitz was just going to go all crazy on it and, yeah. and talk, talk about his latest projects. <laughs> did nice. you did you mention to Chris that you you have a, uh, a resin printer? Ooh, nice. Yeah, maybe. Have you considered going into resin printing with your? Uh, cockpit parts the really tiny detailed parts chris yeah i've been kind of thinking about it i but i haven't really bitten the bullet on one yet eventually i'll probably will get a resin printer yeah they come down a lot in price and uh there's lots of good choices out there and i've been having a really good time in fact i've just fired mine up again to print out some parts uh all kinds of nice detailed parts for some stuff that reminds me i need to ask you to make a part for me Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, that's going to cost you. Yeah, okay. I expect it would. <laughs> no, just kidding. So do you, I guess when you're building these planes, you have multiple printers running at the same time? Chris? Uh, yeah, usually I have, because I have the two printers, I would have both of them running simultaneously. You have two so cardboard it, boxes. Two cardboard boxes, yep. Mm. Yeah. Or I, I have one printer uh, printing a different project or yeah it, it definitely saves on time for making a large airplane so instead of having to spend close to a month of on and off printing you you could turn it down to two weeks so if somebody wanted to see the buckeye or the u2 or any of your other models um are there any events that you're planning to attend coming up no events besides possibly judge am next year and ejets E-Jets and Warbirds. Where is E-Jets? It's at uh, Torx Field in 
Is that right, Ohio? See, sure. E.J. E so we're going yeah, to show up in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you Where go. Mount it? Sterling, Ohio. Okay. Tell them Chris sent you. And oh, cool. So those have already happened this year? Uh, so EJETS, I'm not going to make it this year. It's happening September 9th through the 12th. Ah, okay. Hmm. But I'm, I'm going to try to attend next year. So the Airbus and the Buckeye are those things that you might take to a, a Saturday at your local club field? Usually, but uh, the Airbus stalled out on a base current to final at Jet Jam, so it is no longer flying. But yeah, usually I bring out uh, my the Buckeye to my local field. All right, cool. How many flights on it now? 15. I know you keep track. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yep, I got a little flight log going for all my planes. <laughs> Hmm. All, all right, right well that's cool yeah i appreciate you sharing all those details with us yeah that's really great really good useful information it's been fascinating to hear your uh your your thought process develop process and that kind of stuff uh, uh really always for me i'm always interested in the old design process of somebody who builds these things just uh, mm -hmm. just out of my own curiosity as someone who's played with cat a little bit and just still a very much a a, a newbie amateur at it uh, I'm just enthralled by somebody who can come up with something that looks that that wonderful, and I, and I know it must take a lot of time to build that and design it. So I have yeah, it's almost uh, a separate hobby by itself. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what keeps me held back is just the amount of time you can spend doing it that I wouldn't be able to do anything else. <laughs> yeah, I kind of really don't watch TV, so I have a little bit more time to sit in front of the computer instead. Mm, yeah, it kind of makes you uh, wonder if I should. Uh, start playing with SolidWorks again. I've been using um, Fusion 360 to mm -hmm. do stuff, and it's a lot like SolidWorks in a lot of ways. But there are a few things that kind of irritate me that SolidWorks does better um, for my limited use of SolidWorks. So, uh, except that SolidWorks is you got to pay the license. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, uh, but I have a good friend of mine who's like a SolidWorks guru, so I can always bounce off of him if I need help so i may just i understand if you join the eaa you can get the solid license yep for free so and you get a nice snazzy magazine so i may do that but um uh guys got any other questions in case we can well, start wrapping things stuff. up i was gonna i almost feel like we have to uh, tell listeners to you know stop <laughs> go pull up rc groups look at all the photos look, yeah. go to his site you know and take a look at it because that it's going to be hard to just listen and then uh, have him describe it but make sure you get the links to look at all this stuff and by the way i i didn't get to mention this you guys were just running on just flapping your lips but uh i looked at the uh, jet fest uh video uh, pics from rc groups uh and you're right horizon hobby uh sponsors it so Hmm. Um, okay. Or Jet, Jet Jam, Jam, excuse me. Yeah, Jet Jam. The JJ. Yeah, they're one. Uh, they're yeah, one of the sponsors. And one one thing I wanted to ask. <laughs> mute your mic, Fitz. It's my turn. <laughs> okay. So I was Chris, when you were at Jet Jam, I see that Brett Becker was there with his U two. Yep. Did you bring yours? I did not because uh, oh. the the black one I stalled out. And the ER the ER two white one, it's uh it's kind of just hanging around, but I I didn't feel like uh 
yeah, having having a hand tosser at EDF Jet Jam may not have been the best choice for me. I kind of prefer landing okay. with landing gear. Okay, well, I thought that would have been a cool shot to have the two users yeah. there. <laughs> and 2020 hindsight. Yeah, that's okay. But yeah, the pictures are great. So I just wanted to remind our listeners, take a look at all the links that we're going to provide for this podcast. It's uh, it's really neat. And I'm, I'm very impressed. I, gosh, I'm still a newbie. I don't do any design work. I just take files and, and print them. Usually because my kids give them to me and they say, hey, I want one of these. <laughs> I need a chip clip, dad. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, I'm, in, I'm enjoying my printer. I'm glad I got to print my 337. I'm sad that it uh, met its demise. Um, but I'll, not, not to rub it in, but I saw that your your uh, Airbus uh, didn't survive. I guess it, nope, had a, it did not. So I, you know, just so you know, yours can crash just like PLA. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they both didn't survive if they don't, you know, from certain heights, so to speak. But I uh, I really enjoyed uh, listening to your story, and and it's really impressive that, uh, gosh, I mean you've got a knack for this. So I hope that uh, some of our listeners who are on the on the fence about 3d printing some really cool that really cool airplanes uh we'll look your stuff up and then maybe take the leap yeah i appreciate you guys having me on but we're not letting you go yet oh no <laughs> we're just changing topics oh yeah let's do a i want to do a real quick uh catch up on a couple of things uh i think i respilled the beans with terry you're we talked about the uh, 049 that I fixed up for Terry, and it is now in the hands of the people in Brown. So expect a package on your doorstep, hopefully end of this week. Ooh, that's exciting! Thank you. Yeah, you're Mr. welcome, Mr. Mechanic. <laughs> um, glad to be a service, sir. So now I need to really get on the ball with finding a glow clip, and um, what else did I need? Mm, glow clip battery. Maybe, maybe that was it. I've already got a battery, so I just need to get a clip. So. Ah, dang it. I think I forgot to give you something. It was minor, but I remember I told you I was going to send you some fuel line. I completely forgot. Oh, that's okay. Uh, but I did send you a propeller. Oh, thanks. Maybe I should have sent you the fuel line instead of a propeller. <laughs> that's okay. I'll persevere. Okay. Well, you can find a fuel line. Dubro makes it, so you can find it easily. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the valve is ready for me to try to start it up. Really? Yes. I've got a new battery pack and I've wired everything up, got a receiver. Um, and it was, well, let's pretend other people might be listening. This is the ESM valve, 80 something inch with a DLE 30 gas engine, right? Yes. Yes. So you've got the landing gear on it. I got the landing gear mounted. Nice. And uh, I've got the wiring. I replaced the batteries, the old Lifey batteries. Where I didn't want to trust them as far as I could throw them. Okay. Uh, since the date said 2012 on them. <laughs> and one of them, the batteries, <laughs> were, the voltage was nothing. Oh. Uh, so I had to get a, another receiver. Use all eight channels on that thing. Yeah. Because it's uh, got flaps. It's got all the normal four, then flaps. No retracts. No retracts, but it's got a bomb drop. Bomb drop, yeah. It's got the channel for the fuel pump. And for the, the not fuel pump, for the um, uh, smoke. Uh, smoke smoke pump. And a remote choke, I think. And a remote choke, which is really nice. Oh, I love okay. a remote choke. So go. so hopefully the carb is in good shape. I'm gonna I meant to actually start it up today, but after work I um uh, ended up taking a cat nap and the next thing I know and then eating dinner and then like, oh great, it's time for the podcast. So 
Uh, I flubbed that, but I'll definitely try to do it tomorrow. Great. Uh, He's blaming the podcast. <laughs> for for someone that's been nice doing all-electric, uh, is there any type of gas plane you'd recommend as a starter? Oh, yes. Well, how do you mean? Gas lean type or gas plane? Gas plane. Mm, well, you like your Valiant, right? The Valiant was really good. Yeah, just a, a sport plane. You don't have to go jump right into a Warbird. Uh, but there's... Uh, there's also a nice sport plane. Doesn't Hangar 9 make a gas-powered um, stick? You can't go wrong with a Cub. Or a Cub. That. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of choices out there. Something in the 30cc-ish range would be good. That's, unless you're really space-constrained. I don't think you are, based on your other stuff. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of curious about getting uh, my first gas plane in the past few years. Wasn't too sure starting with a 15cc would be reasonable or... Yeah, that's reasonable. 1520cc. Um, there's, I don't know what kind of planes you like. If you like warbirds or you like sport planes. Yeah, I'm a fan of warbirds. Uh, one, one that's really nice was the, I know because I flew it, was the 20cc um, P47 from Hangar 9. Okay. That's a really nice flying model. It's really easy flying. It's a warbird, 20cc, so you don't, you don't have to put a whole bunch of money into it. Uh, nice big cowl. So... I, I, that would be one of the top top of the list ones I would consider. I'll give so, it a look. Would uh, vibration preclude a feasible three D printed gasoline model? Uh, <laughs> so I think people carbon, actually do uh, combat those uh, those combats uh, flying where they have the stringers on the plane. I think, and they've put some gas engines on those three D lap print planes. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think those, I've seen some photos of that. Those are small, probably 09, 10 size engines, maybe. Maybe yeah. 049. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I was kind of the same way, Chris. Um, I'm relatively new to flying gas engine planes, gasoline, that is. And I was just curious, you know, how the process of running them and tuning them and flying them and that kind of stuff. And so, and they're nice when you want to fly something big. They're really the most economical way of doing it. Uh, so. And uh, go ahead. I was gonna say, look at you now. You've got a whole fleet of gassers. So, yeah, really. <laughs> I just like I just want to try one. I <coughs> you know I got several of them. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to flying the Val. That's just neat. I've always liked that plane. Looks like a generous wing area. So, anyways, so hopefully by next time we talk, I can give you a, an update on running it and possibly flying it as well. I hope to fly it this weekend, possibly if it runs. Oh, cool. What size prop did you put on it? Uh, I put a 26. They recommend, really? yeah. The the I looked up the manual and it said anything from a eighteen eight to a twenty eight. I think it was the range they talked uh, about. Oh, okay, two zero dash six. Yes, not a twenty six. No, 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 two six. Okay, two zero dash six. The hobby store didn't have any nineteen inch props, uh, so I just went with a a twenty inch, but a little less pitch. The twenty eight seemed a little bit much for that engine, um, so. It doesn't need a whole lot of speed. It just, I figured it's more draggy than anything else. So, yeah, I'll have to look, but I think it had an eighteen eight on it when I got it. Did it? Okay, that's that's on the on the lower end. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I got an eighteen eight or not. I figured I'd be safe with twenty six. We'll see how it flies. It's All a right. valve. It's not a. Yeah. So good luck with it. Yeah. Thanks. And did you do any sort of prep work, knowing that the engine's been sitting for a couple of years? I have not. 
Um, I'm not sure what to do other than to take the carb out and rebuild it, but I'm going to try to see if it'll crank up first and then okay. rebuild the carb if it doesn't. Yeah. I had planned to replace the fuel lines, but I never inspected them to see if they um, needed replacement. Yeah, that's a good point. I've been, that's a, I've been, I've been meaning to do that. I keep forgetting is to take a double check the fuel lines to make sure they're, um, not cracked or stiff or something like that. Right. Yeah. I'll do that first. In fact, I'll probably do that after the podcast while I'm thinking of it. All right. That's, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, get some video. I want to see it. Are you okay? Okay, okay. Yourself, Terry? What you got anything you're working on? Um, Sort of. I'm still working on restoring that old Kyosho duet, but I haven't touched it in weeks. And a couple weeks ago, I went flying at my local field, and I banged up my ultra micro parallax so i need to fix it's not bad i basically i did a a 10 foot diameter loop starting that topped out at nine feet (laughs) at nine feet (laughs) yeah so i yeah just kind of nosed it in and broke the firewall so that'll be an easy fix i just have to get to it to be honest i haven't had much shop time at all Uh, but i did get out flying last weekend i went to the Rams Club, which is just a little bit east of Rochester, New York. <coughs> and um, Rams is Rochester Area Modeling Sorcerers, or Snakes, uh, maybe Society. I don't know. But uh, we got an invitation, or I got an invitation on our Facebook community page from Chris Rybert, and he let me know about the event, which was already on my radar. So it was nice to get the, the booster from him to encourage me to go. And I was hoping to go on Saturday, but we had a bunch of house projects going on and I couldn't make it. So I resigned myself to going on Sunday, thinking that it wasn't going to be a very big crowd because most events peter out on Sunday. But I drove out there and there was a big crowd there. The whole flight line was already filled with cars and the parking lot was filling up. And this is an event this club does every year as sort of a community outreach and it's an air show for the community to come out and watch. And it is out in the woods. It was a lot of twists and turns to get there. But I was surprised that there were a lot of spectators that showed up to watch this. There were probably 25 or 30 cars in the parking lot of just spectators who come to watch this air show. And there was a, a lot of neat stuff to see. And it was a great field, good location. So I had a good time. And I got cool. to meet Chris there and talk to him a bit. And I ran into another friend of mine that I met at the Neat Fair last year, Tony. I talked to him and then uh, Steve. So it was neat to to meet people there and to fly. And I took a bunch of pictures that I need to process and get put up. I still haven't put up my pictures from the Flaps event three or four weeks ago. So I really need to get on the ball and, and post some photos. But I took four airplanes, I only flew two of them, and only flew each of them once. But I flew my old school model work, Sky Ranger 40. That's my standard plane that I take to events, just because it's uh, easy peasy and people like it. And the other one I flew was my old Great Plains Wright Flyer. Do you guys remember me talking about oh, that yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is one I got at a swap meet a few years ago. That was in bad shape, but this is an R from the late 1990s or early 2000s. It was a plastic framework with foam wings, brushed motors, and originally had NICADs. 
and it uh, had ailerons and canard elevator for control. And I don't know how it flew in the original form, but I kept the stock motors and just swapped out the uh, NICADs for a two-cell LiPo. And it originally had uh, mini servos with this whole weird contraption of bell cranks and long push rods to actuate the control surfaces. I yanked that out and put in some micro servos, one for each surface. And so the end result is probably about the same weight, but it's just much simpler, sturdier linkages. Anyway, so I took that thing out and I flew it. And I was reminded just how much people like to see that model. (laughs) So... Yeah, I got asked so many questions about it when I was done, and people had a lot of positive comments about it. And it's not a pretty airplane. There's nothing particularly special about it, but the Wright Flyer just kind of has a special place in people's hearts, and they're always excited to see one fly, and especially one like this. And granted, it flies really well. And they have a Petromat runway there, and this one has just enough power to take off on its own, sliding on the skids from Petromat. Oh, neat. So, so I was able to ROG and, and land on the Petromat. So, yeah, I had a good time with it. And I wasn't able to stay all day. I had to get back home for more house projects. But uh, they have a noontime demo that lasts about an hour. There was a lot of neat stuff there. A big ornithopter I thought you would be interested in, Fitz. Really? I don't know what the span of this thing was, but I'm guessing it was around six feet. Wow. And, uh, it, yeah, it flew really well. The scratch build? Uh, I don't know. I got some video of it, so I don't know if that's enough yeah. detail for you to figure out its origin. But yeah, I was interested to see the flapping mechanism or something. If he... Yeah, and when it was going full tilt, it sounded like it had a, a small nitro motor on it, but it was electric power. Wow. So I guess it was just gear noise or mechanics, I don't know. But uh, it flew really well and with hmm. authority. So I should have gone and talked to the pilot afterward, but I was busy taking pictures of the other stuff that was flying. So anyway, there's a lot of neat stuff. I had a good time. So thanks to Chris for inviting me out. Thanks to all the Rams members for being friendly and putting up with me and showing me uh, how they do things over there. It was uh, yeah, a fun day. A good event. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. And I think that's all I have. I, I kind of had one go back. Uh, you reminded me. You talked about your your um, parallax. Oh, okay. You know, you know, I have, I still have the mirror version of your canard one. Yeah, and, uh, I normally have it hanging up in the kind of the rafters in the garage. Okay, and I was um, uh, moving some stuff around. I think I was putting the wings from one of my big planes up on some hooks. And um, am I going to like the end of the story? No, <laughs> you know. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so after I. I put some some big wings on, uh, on uh, some hooks. I proceeded to open up the garage door. Oh no! And I hear. <laughs> <laughs> I had unknowingly knocked the parallax loose, but it wasn't completely loose, so it was kind of dangling, and I didn't notice it until the garage door opened and proceeded to kind of crush it. Uh, I think it's repairable, but it got beat up pretty bad. All right. No, I was thinking for both the Parallax and the Yin Yang, I want to build, well, I would like to build larger size versions of them, maybe mm-hmm. 40 to 50 inch wingspan. Because when I go to events like that, it's just um, kind of like Chris said, when you go to an event, it's a little bit harder to integrate hand launch planes 
when other people are doing ROG stuff. And yeah. you, know, you want to kind of match performance and size a little bit just so you, you know, go with the flow. Uh, so I was thinking about building larger versions of each just so that they're more adaptable for those types of things. So something you can put wheels on? Yeah. Mm. So um, Anyway, I, that's, I've got a lot of projects on my someday list, and I'll add them to that, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Lee? Sorry for all us. Yeah. I was going to ask Chris if he had anything he wanted to chime in. Have any questions about what you guys were talking about? Yeah, no real, no, no real questions. Just listening in. Okay, <laughs> just giving him an opportunity. <clears throat> so on my workbench, I've been repairing one of the Aero Scouts. So I got at Air Venture. This is one of the damaged planes that uh, Horizon Hobby. Uh, left us with pieces <laughs> so uh, I did some foam work and, and ripped the broken gear off and I actually have a flying little you know skid plane now uh, of my own and I'm painting it with the D-Day stripes <laughs> so nice. and it, it's fun and and I gotta tell you I painted one wing and Ryan came in he goes oh I gotta do that to my plane <laughs> it's like well then you have to do it <laughs> it's like, I'm not doing it for you kid uh, I encourage invasion stripes. They are excellent for orientation. Yeah, and and it's cool looking. So I've got my Corsair, <laughs> I've got my Aero Scout. We, I'm calling this the Scout Aero Scout or the D-Day Scout Aero Scout uh, <laughs> aircraft. So. The Scouting Aero Scout. That's the Scouting Aero Scout, correct? So uh, and it flies great. And I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this. And I'm just amazed at its glide ratio. It is just the craziest thing. And I told Terry I'd flew it in my cul-de-sac. <laughs> it's it's crazy how I have to fly around my house and make turns to land in the big cul-de-sac grass field because it just doesn't want to give up its airspeed. It's just, it's a floater. And so if you've seen an Aero Scout at the hobby store and you're either thinking about getting in the hobby or you'd like another quick Sunday plane, I got to tell you, my thumbs up for this plane. It's a really fun little plane. Get the one that's bind and fly. So you have the AS3X and the uh, safe mode. So if you are a beginner, it does work really well. That's the plane we trained people on at AirVenture. Um, but I'm enjoying it. So I can't wait to, oh, and I, I mentioned this maybe to Terry, but um, it came with a broken prop. So Austin handed me a little quadcopter prop that fit perfectly. I had to just do a little kind of work with it. But uh, yeah, the, the three blade prop works great. So. Mm. So you I'll, stripped off the landing gear and well, they, they changed the propeller. started it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it took, took a huge chunk of foam out of the nose. Uh, you and finished they, I mean, stripping the landing gear. I finished stripping the landing gear, the nose gear. And uh, that saved a lot of weight. And it's, it's, really, it's really cool. It's got, some, it's got some crush damage to the nose. But it's, you know, it is what it is. All right, well, that's cool. So I, I can't recall if it was Horizon Hobby or someone else that came to EDF, Jet Jam, but they had a... The Aero Scout fitted with twin EDFs. Nice. And it, and it also had reverse thrust. Oh, <laughs> see, this, and that's what I like because uh, I have a, I have a twin Otter that I souped up, and I have uh, differential thrust on that thing. And so far, I think Fitz and Terry both agree it's a fun flying plane. So you telling me that, I would totally agree that that would be another fun little, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think they're even getting plane. a little bit reckless in the because some storms roll through. They're flying in the rain. <laughs> the snow care at all they they fly real well so again that's a that's a fun little plane if you can get your hands on one yeah uh, that seems like the kind of airplane that's just the perfect blank canvas which is how i used to see the uh, multiplex twin star 
just a good flying plane off the board, but you can do so many different things to it. It's a platform to try dumb ideas. I, I almost feel like I'm changing my answer. People have always asked me what's a good first plane, and it used to be the Multiplex Easy Star, but you can't get your hands on them. You yeah. know? And I've seen some in you know, old new stock, and I love the two, actually I have three that I have, and I still have my original that flies great because I upgraded it to a mega motor, and you know I run the heck out of that thing. It's been to the beach, and it's, it's a, it is one of my favorite planes. I don't think I'd ever give it up. But this thing is starting to find its way into my heart because it just is a great flyer. Um, you kill that throttle, it just glides. And, and if you have it, here's even better. If you kill the throttle and you put it on basic safe mode, just walk away. <laughs> I mean, if you got to go somewhere and take a leak, it'll land itself, I promise you. Maybe not where you want it to land, but it'll just keep going in a straight line and, and land. In fact, I think if, I, if memory serves me, Austin, you know, asked me that. He said, Dad, do you think if I just turned it off because we were, he was you know, flying the other one, not mine. And uh, he did. <laughs> and it did land. So good, good little plane. Very stable. Uh, what was I going to add to that, though? I think that's it. What I wanted to uh, talk about is kind of a refresher of what's happening in the coming weeks. And we've got four big events coming. Big events. Huge events. So we have a lot of a lot of big events coming up really soon. So grab your pen and paper. How uh, big are they? <laughs> they're awesome. Well, the big one is coming, guys. Just around the corner, three weeks away. <laughs> Come, Elizabeth. It's a big one. <laughs> Bomber Field is coming here, guys. The annual B-17 gathering and Big Bird flying at Monteville, Texas. B.B. Uh, Weber's Field, guys. If you haven't been, uh, stop what you're doing. Make plans right now. And I'm proud to say that my buddy Chris Wolf, the RC geek, called me, uh, I guess, about a week or two ago. And he has got his airplane tickets scheduled. I don't know if he's staying at Shea Ray. I think he's got it somewhere else he's staying. But he's coming down to see this incredible event. And I want to add a little side note to Bomber because I did make an attempt. Um, Tomas from Legend Hobby saw my picture. I posted at AirVenture of uh, Bally's Bomber. Y'all saw it, right? Are y'all there yes. with me? Hello? Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the third scale B-17. Uh, for, I'm sorry, I forgot his name. But uh, this beautiful plane, I have photos that I've posted on our, our website. Uh, or Facebook, I guess, too. And he said, you know what? That'd be so cool if we had it at Bomber. And man, that light bulb went off in me. So I made calls and I got an answer from the owner of Valley Bomber. His name is Larry New. He uh, lives in San Antonio. What? And I, I invited him to bring his plane down to Bomber, maybe do a flyover and then land at the airport that's just, you know, about a mile away. He and could he land in Bonneville. Thanking me for the invitation. And he said, unfortunately, the, the Bailey's Bomber is uh, in Illinois right now and it won't come to Texas until October. But he said, I'll plan to make it another time. Oh, I wow. love that. Cool. So yeah, that's pretty I cool. I know, and I mentioned to him that we have the Warbird event, usually in like June, right, Fitz? Warbird, oh, oh Bomber? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any size Warbird, so, yes. Yeah, so maybe he'll, uh, maybe he'll, I'll see if I can get him to come for that too, because remember, yeah. that's usually when they had the P-51. The full scale, Texas. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> I mean, he possibly could land there, but I'm not, I'm not pushing that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought that was really cool. So we did. I did make an attempt, and at least we've got the uh, the communications open. So yes, yeah, great. Anyway, he's open to it. 
Yeah, I didn't even mention the dates, by the way. I'm sorry. I was so busy thinking about uh, Bally's Bomber or Bailey's Bomber. Uh, September 16th through the 18th, guys. And I'll tell you, it's it's almost a week-long event. People will show up early in the week with their RVs, and they uh, stake their claim. And it is an amazing event. And if you need to see the history, just go on to YouTube, check our posts, check my photos that I've done uh, for our site and for, under I think, Lee Ray Photography or Raviation. Mm. Uh, it's just a, a wonderful event. Fitz will attest to it. Yeah, it's, I, uh, I wrote an article about it in AMA Mag. That's right, online I, somewhere. Yeah, with my photos. So, yes, great event. So, put that on your calendar in three weeks. Then after, hey, hold on, Chris. Uh, Bomber Field is EDF friendly. Mm, good to know. <laughs> yeah, Brett. Again, Brett Becker came. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He brought his B seventy when he came down. Yes, he did. The, oh yeah, he flew oh, the heck out of it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we did a. I did a quick interview with him. It was the first time I met him, and he was gracious enough to talk to me about it a bit. Yeah, he brought that out to Jet Jam a couple times. It was a sight to see. Oh, yeah. It's great that he's not afraid to, fry, afraid to fly it either. Yeah. Although it's not flying now. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but he got his fun out of it. Yeah. A week after that is a huge swap meet in Richardson, Texas. Or, excuse me, Allen, Texas. It's called the Richardson Radio... Sorry, the second annual Richardson Radio Control Club RC Swap Meet and Auction. It is at the Allen High School Cafeteria, Saturday, September 25th. And I know Fitz is going to be there for sure, 100%. Mm. <laughs> so you can see his pretty smiling face there as he tries to sell stuff and tries not to put more stuff into his trailer <laughs> than he brings. Yes. But that'll be a very big event. We do have a flyer on our Facebook page, so you can look it up there. Then the, well, my favorite one, <laughs> we, we do not talk about 2020, though. Uh, best in New Waverly, Texas at the Tri-County Barnstormers Club. And best uh, means? Best Electrics in South Texas. There you go. And it's Saturday, October 2nd and 3rd. If you got to make a day, come Saturday. Saturday is the best day. Although, I'm thinking I might show up Thursday now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Keith and I might get a couple of extra days. And, uh, yeah, guys, this is the best electric event to come to. Uh, this will be, I guess, a f this will be officially the 18th, but then I'll make it the 19th because I did do a best text in Dallas. So uh, please put that on your calendar. Come see us. Fitz and I will be there. We'll probably do a live show Saturday evening uh, under the awning there. Maybe get some pizza again like we did before. So uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful event. I can't wait. I can't believe it's just, oh, my gosh, it's so soon. It's about a month away. Yeah, it's coming up. Yeah. yeah. And lastly is the Roundtop RC Expo in Roundtop, Texas. That's November 11th through the 13th. And, it, <laughs> you know, I have no idea what it's going to be because this is the inaugural event. And so far, it's just going to be a whole bunch of uh, Texas Warbird Thunder guys putting on one hell of a show. And I can tell you, and Fitz was there too, we put on an impromptu event. When do you think? Was that back in May or June? Something like that. I think yeah. before June. May? Yeah, so, May? so it was probably May. So we, we did an impromptu event out there, and we thought we would just have a handful of people. Holy smokes. <laughs> people got worried about it. And Thunderfield is is ready to go. It's an amazing place. Uh, we had so many planes. I actually, I think I posted the video. It's a, a drone shot I did and put it on our RC Roundtable YouTube channel. So this place is going to be ready. We are going to move all the tents that we were going to have for the vendor and swap meet at a different location. They're now going to be on site at the field. So um, 
the hosts are planning to have the best of the best there. And Fitz and I will be there. I know I will be there. Uh, that's uh, that's going to be part of my AMA event coverage. So I will be there reporting. And I hope to have a, a lot of fun out there. This is um, something to bring to the southern region. You know, the Toledo show has been very popular. I never got to go. We kind of all regret not being able to partake in that. Uh, this is a group that's hoping to bring that down to Texas. And hopefully we can have 20, 30, 40 years of, a, of an annual tradition. Wow, thinking big. They are. They are. And you can go to uh, Roundtop RC Expo on Facebook and rtrcexpo.com. And aren't there ads in the magazine as well? Yeah, that, that ad, that magazine ad is mine, yes, so. I don't know. Let's see what page. I could probably pull it up right here. I'm looking at the August issue. If we want to go that far, I think it's near the beginning. Of do, do, do. Model Aviation Magazine. Yeah. I'm taking time away here. Oh, hey, look, there's a picture of Brett Becker's U2. <laughs> it's, like, it's a Top Gun issue, yeah. I don't see it right here in front of me, so you put me on the spot. Darn it, Terry. But it is in Model Aviation Magazine. So, yes, you can find the ad for the Round Top Expo. I'm sorry we don't have a full-page ad for Best, but it's one of those best-kept <laughs> secrets. So we can't have everybody show up to Tri-County, right? Right. <laughs> Got to keep an, some people away. It's an underground sensation. Yeah. And, by the way, as you mentioned to Chris, uh, Best is EDF-friendly, too. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have so much fun there. So, All right, what else you got, Lee? I'm hoping I'm hoping uh, Fitz and I's plans to have Terry kidnapped and dragged down to Texas will work. <laughs> we paid the guy enough. Yeah, make sure they poke some holes in the box. Leave me a sandwich inside or something. Like little Vito knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's that's all I have right now. That's on my radar. So, does anything else pop up in y'all's mind? Um, neat fair. That's where I'm going to be next month. That's right. Yeah, September. Yeah. Yeah, I forget the exact dates. Um, don't uh, quote me on this. I think it's the fifth or the sixteenth through the or maybe. Nah, I don't know. Just go the Google neat fair. You'll find it. Are you going to stay overnight or are you going to day trip it? Uh, no, no. I'm planning to stay for the weekend. I'm hoping okay. to show up Thursday or Friday and then come back home on Sunday. To tell us about all the good stuff that happens after dark. Uh, nope. nope. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So is a drinking event with a flying problem. <laughs> so during Bomber, Terry will be at Neat, September 16th through the 19th. Oh, so uh, I don't know. I might be pulling those dates um, out of the air. Or well, I, I'm looking at it right now. September oh, did 16th you? through the 19th. Okay, well, there you go. Then, yeah. And the website is neatfair.org. Well, you just have all the answers. Well, neat. That's but, uh, my job. No, I think everybody knows what Neat Fair is if they've listened to this show before, but it's an electric-only event up in uh, Catskill Mountains at a campground, beautiful location, and it's got a full-scale airstrip there. And uh, last year, Joe Malinchak flew in his uh, beautiful L4 and landed there and hung out for a while. And they've uh, usually got an indoor location on Friday and Saturday night where the premier indoor modelers from around the world come to this tiny little middle school gym in the Catskill Mountains and fly some awesome stuff. So they did not do it last year because of COVID, so I'm not sure what the plan is for this year. 
but there's always some amazing stuff there. And then during the day and all through the night, there's just all sorts of different types of airplanes of all sizes that fly off the, the runway there. And there's also a pond, and that's where my crew tends to congregate during the day. And actually, this year we have a group build planned. Um, we are going to build, I think it's about a 30-inch span Hansa Brandenburg W-29, which is a World War One monoplane uh, float plane. Hmm. With, you may find it familiar because it has an inverted rudder. Like it has no vertical oh, stab, but the rudder yeah. extends below the, the tail. Anyway, so we're going to try to build a few of those and fly them off the pond and have fun no matter what. So that's the neat fair. <laughs> that's the motto, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And that's all I have. Phew. Okay. Yeah, Man, right. that's a lot. That's supposed to be a quick wrap up. Jeez. Gee, I hope we have another podcast so we can talk more yeah. stuff. Cause... <laughs> okay. Well, there's your event light up. The, the, the fall is coming. Good weather is coming. So be there. Be rectangular. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for a wonderful podcast, gentlemen. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Your stuff yeah, is amazing. Fun. Thanks. I know I'm not sure I'm quite there yet to do the ABS printing, but uh, I'm going to start looking at your stuff. And of course, it's it's going to be neat because I I haven't seen Fitz's A10 yet, so he'll have printouts from your parts on his print on his plane. Well, well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, fascinating talk, and uh, great to make your acquaintance. And uh, hopefully, we we look forward to seeing what other stuff you come up with. And, including the 229 but whatever else comes after that because we know there will be stuff after that oh yeah <laughs> um, He's a lifer. uh maybe i need to uh um uh, form some sort of apprenticeship with you to, to learn how to draw stuff in cad <laughs> i got the uh, designs i like to make myself but uh anyways uh thanks so much we really appreciate your time and effort and uh um, really uh you would it's it's always great to see really true uh, builders and designers in the hobby and some people with a unique view on uh, on the on the hobby. So thank you so much for whatever you for all you do and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's one thing I kind of noticed with three D printing is not many people really do balsa building anymore. So printing makes it a little bit more available to the masses to kind of dive into building still. Yeah. You can build something, but it's kind of high tech as well, and, and the bleeding edge of this technology. And uh, and you show it why somebody had asked me why. You say, well, you know, what do you see in three D printing? And one of the things I thought was, well, you can do unusual stuff, and that's you've proven that point. You come up with a model that's almost never modeled, very rarely, and you can do that by three D printing. You know? Yeah, and then it's repeatable. So right when you design it, you can make as many as you want, just yeah. like those chip clips and whistles. <laughs> <laughs> can't argue with that and and, and 3d benchies and benchies <laughs> benchy you see somebody printed a giant benchy made it rail controlled yes <laughs> anyways uh so uh, on that note thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next time please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. 
where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.